Hi, this is Giuseppe. Hi, this is Anthony. And you're listening to For the Love of Sophia. A philosophy podcast brought to you by the Public Philosophy Project. If you have any questions or suggestions, feel free to email us at publicphilproject at gmail.com. Enjoy the ride. Okay, guys, welcome back. Welcome back. Episode 101. 101. You should have listened to our special 100th episode by now, if you haven't. You should have. It's a command. (laughs) It's a command. For those of you who are just tuning in, uh, we did the the Q&A, and then we also put a fun episode behind the the paywall, which is very cheap. Uh, So check out the Patreon. The link is in the little description. Cool. Uh, and now we're back to talk about love. Back to love. Back Always to comes love. back. Um, it's been like, what, a month pretty much since the, the first step, the first half of this came out? Uh, almost. Yeah, yeah, a month. Yeah, a month. A month for you, 15 minutes for us. 15 minutes for us. Uh, but if you, um, you know, maybe if you want to refresh your memory, go listen to that again. Mm-hmm. Um, but as always, they're kind of, they're still going to be sort of independent, right? You can still follow the yep. second part. We did, um, we talked about whether you can have a kind of detached, mm-hmm. uh, fleeting relationships with people, whether that can be considered love, whether it could be fulfilling, um, talked about you know, what are the necessary conditions for romantic relationships that are trying to be uncontroversial. Um, and the last thing I said, I know I, I said, I was like, let's leave on a cliffhanger. I think it's fun. Is that despite all our old man talk for commitment and duty and responsibility, mm-hmm. I said there, there still has to be some kind of excitement. Sure. There still has to be some kind of Walking forward with a smile, some kind of brightness. Mm-hmm. I agreed. Agreed that because um, if that is not there, then I think also the 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 wanting people, the person you're with, to flourish goes away, right? If that is not there anymore, if everything is dead, uh, then probably that's not, that's not even it's not even possible to to wish. What do you think that could be? What is the, that for you? The the little put you on the spot. Fire? What do you? Yeah. What do you? What do you still? What's like a bright, exciting thing that happens? I don't know, man. Like little things where you're like, yeah. Um. I, so I think that that it comes to the point, and you'll, you, I'm sure you have this already with Rosie, but it's gonna be even more, right? Those things get probably attached to the kids more than anything else, right? Is the interaction that you see your significant other other having with their kids? Oh, that's is, nice. I, I think those are the things that kind of, you know, or the the way that person is doing, you know, something uh, around them. They're like, yeah, that is why, right? That is why I'm still <laughs> there. That is that's that's what's going on. I think that that is at this point. Those are the little moments, if you want. Yeah. But I, so speaking of of this, I. And we talked about this, I think, on the phone last time we talked. We we spoke. Um, I kind of have a 
methodological question, if you want. Yep. So we usually have this, uh, and we touched upon this thing when we talked about friendship uh, partially. So when when we have these conversations, right, we usually have this, you know, we, we present whatever perspective, right? And But most of the time the perspective are, how, we can, how can we call it? Universalizable, right? Okay. Uh, considering the special nature of the object of this conversation, meaning love, is there like some... Are we... Are we limited by our male perspective into this? Mm. Is there are there limitations because both of us are coming from are coming at it from kind of this perspective? Is this still I, universalizable? I, I so so I think there's two separate questions. Is it is it universalizable, and is it universalizable for us mm. uh, in this brief little? conversation snapshot so uh the first question i think it has to be universalizable i think everything has to be universalizable to an extent at least a little bit Mm -hmm. because if it if it wasn't then we couldn't talk there would be no thing right either there's a form or there's a game and either way there Mm -hmm. has to be some some thread right um but with regard to the second part i mean i i I think the safe answer is to say at least a little bit because at the end of the day, there has to be a third, the third man, right? Like Mm -hmm. there has to be, and I don't mean male. I mean like if you have A and B and there's a connection between A and B, there there always has to be a connection between two elements, right? So is there stuff from the female perspective that by definition that – um by phenomenological limitation we cannot access absolutely it's like what is it like to be a bat mm-hmm. what is it like to be a woman i have no idea mm-hmm. right and I, I can't know right <laughs> this is like simone de beauvoir um so that that definitely uh we lose some flavor that way that said there has to be something overarching the the male and female perspective that that keeps the two together in a harmonious relationship conceptually and, and linguistically and, and experientially and all that. But I do remember, because I brought this up on the phone with you, yeah. and I, I thought you were going to say this, when uh, I talked to Claire about um, the friendship thing, and mm-hmm. we were saying, could you develop love that starts as a friendship? Mm-hmm. And you were saying, you know, maybe you think it's possible. You were at least less willing to shut the door than I was. Whereas I was like, I, I don't really think that's a thing. Um <laughs> Claire was like, you know, I think that's an interesting question, and I wonder if there would be a, a male-female split on that. Hmm. And she thought that the idea that you can have something that starts as non-love without even that initial interest developing into love, maybe that would be more palatable from a female perspective because mm-hmm. you know women experience uh, these kinds of things differently, right? Where sure. it is like, maybe I could like, let me think about this. How does it? Yeah. yeah and the, the reason why I'm asking that is not because what can I say, I want to undermine what we're saying, or I want to stress the difference between, no, 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 of course, between not. the two things. It's just, uh, it's kind of to, to, to move on to the next thing, which is, you know, we talk about, about love in a way that 
again, it's universalizable at least and universal. But I think that one of the uniqueness of this is the fact that it's always situated, right? There's always a specific, and this is the difficulty, right? There's always a specific way of looking at it. Um, because we literally experience this differently, one from the other. I mean, again, you just mentioned what it's like to be a bath. What is it like to be in love, right? Hmm. What, does it re- what does that really mean? At the end of the day, and I'm sure that if we describe our uh, experiences, they're probably different. What kind of what happens to you when you're in love, right? What mm. kind of things? Because we had talked about the relationship, we talked about the object, right? At least partially. We haven't talked about us. What happens to us? What happens to to the subject? What changes? So if there is a change in status, right, meaning that you were not in love before and now you are in love, what is changing? And even this mm. idea that you were not in love before and now you are in love, is it possible not to be in love? Or are you always perpetually in love with someone? And Oy. like, how does that work? What is the change? And again, if that's not the case, if we're moving from one thing to the other, yeah, what changes? So I, I do think that there is a thing called um, being in love or loving. Mm-hmm. And it is distinct from not being in love or or maybe, I don't know what's more accurate, not being in love or being in not love. Because I, I think you'd probably get something distinct from those. But because um, something I didn't mention before is, you know, for if there are Heidegger people listening, I think love is a kind of a uh, sign. It's like a being with uh, in a specific way, a being in, a being with. Um, so I think there is a difference. If there wasn't a difference, again, we couldn't talk. Right? I think like everyone kind of knows what's happening. So this question of like what happens to the lover, mm-hmm. um, I, think we, I think we hit a little bit on this, but I think okay. we're still missing stuff. Like we did hit upon the... The um, being consumed, um, that like taking on a responsibility of something, but something else that I thought that we haven't mentioned is you have something to live up to, right? You have to face the news, so to speak. You have some kind of thing holding you accountable in a really fundamental way, um, something to live for. In a specific way. And of course, you can have things to live for in, in the absence of this, right? It's not like people not in love don't have anything to live for. But it does give you a kind of, I'll use an analogy that's not exact, but helpful. You have like the parent, right? Like you don't do bad because you're like, I have to mm-hmm. face the music, you know? <laughs> I have some standard yeah. that I have to, I have a role that I have to fulfill now. I cannot not wash um, the dishes for days. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was even thinking just like I I have a reason to become better. Mm. Right? It's it's a it's a way out of nihilism practically uh and also in a, on a non-practical level too. So I think that changes you, right? You 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 become maybe more let's say what's a good word I would choose for this. You become more you like give a shit about things more. I think that's a way. More caring. Um, you're more caring, you know, about 
about you and the things you do and about other people and you consider the future maybe in a way that you you didn't previously that's something that that comes up that has come up throughout uh, our relationship a lot is that and i wonder if this is the same for you that claire has been much more future oriented and i wonder mm. if this is a, a woman thing in general right to think about all the, the what are you doing five years from now ten years from now what are the the contingencies the possibilities and so you brought in your horizons, right? This kind of a, mm-hmm. um, a, a fundamental hermeneutic event mm-hmm. that happens when when you fall in love, um, and I even think that the way you look at the world changes. Mm. Like not even just the other, not even you and the things you do or your kids or whatever, but like like it's going to sound so it's all right romantic, but like the the trees look different, you know? Like the yeah, sky, you drive around and you think about things differently. I, that's not. Out of the question, I think that's pretty possible that we have these changes. Uh, I was thinking of two things. One is funny when we when I said more caring, right? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking caring with a C, not with a K, right? What is caring with a K? Like Karen, you know, the being. You K. become more Karen-like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, I mean, <laughs> I assume a lot of people who people would call that are married. So, I don't know. It can go either way. But, yeah, no, that that wasn't the real thing, though. So, uh, I'm thinking, though, again, um, is it possible? Because all the things that you said, I think, can happen also without a significant other on the horizon. All the things that you just said. So, I'm wondering if this being in love is not just um how can we call it a natural state for human beings we're naturally in love and then eventually we broaden our love horizon as you said when we meet somebody that shares that decide to to kind of be in the same love space as we are is that i don't know if if I'm making myself clear. so Can you phrase that a little more specifically? Sure. So let's say we're saying... So all the characteristics that you that you just mentioned, right? Like the, even the planning for the future, even uh, all the stuff, being more caring, all those things. This can happen to anyone, even if, you don't, if you're not with somebody, right? There's some people that are planning for the future. There's some people that are caring. There's some people that are... Like, is it possible that this state that you, we describe as being in love is the natural state? And the only thing that happens is somebody enters these horizons and shares with us kind of the same preoccupations, let's call it. Uh, meaning that, I don't know, you and Claire, uh, at a certain point, enter in this relationship and then they start building because you have a common future that you want to build with. And the common future has some of the same pillars. At least that seems like that at the beginning. Then, of course, the the two the pillars of this change and the landscape changes because you and Claire grow because this thing takes a life of its own and so on. But this you stay the same. You stay together because you're still trying to build that thing together. That is now doesn't have the same characteristics that he had before, but it still has. Mm. While you couldn't be with someone that didn't share all these things that you wanted for yourself or from the person you wanted to be with to begin with, right? 
Yeah, that's that's interesting because I think like I went on a little little roller coaster ride on the inside while you were talking, and I was trying to see what I think about this. And initially, I wanted to say it's not the default state in the sense that it's not entropic, mm-hmm. right? And so, if entropy is the default state, then anytime you get some kind of order that's mm-hmm. an exception to the rule, um. And I still think that's the case, but if we phrase it a little differently, I might be on board, which is, and I'm going to use language that I know that you don't like. <laughs> if by natural state, you mean teleologically, what is okay. beneficial for humans, or if you don't like that word, evolutionarily, mm-hmm. what is the thing that humans do, then I would be more willing to do that because... It, yeah, there's obviously a reason why we do mm. that. Like it's not it's not an accident, right? It's not like you're just born and then you're choosing to do this thing. Like this is a whole history of things that were working to make you how how you are and in addition to all of the evolutionary genetics, there's the conditioning mm-hmm. and there's the rewards and punishments and like so I think in like a very deep human nature teleological sense yes mm-hmm. i would say that and and when you don't do it um for the most part you you fall out of whack i think like eudaimonia becomes much more difficult to attain if if not unattainable to, mm. to use that kind of language so i would ex- i think i would accept something like that but as far as like is it the regular state just like on a day-to-day basis rather than an overall systems basis Maybe not. I, I don't know. I think it's an interesting mm-hmm. question, though. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I don't care much about the evolutionary or teleological uh, how could you? How could you not? How thing, could you not? Which you're talking about. I don't care much. I think it's possible, sure. I, I don't think it's possible at this point in our history to establish if those things are really human nature or not. There's no such thing. Um, really? There's. No, I don't think it's possible. It's might be all conditioned this might be all evolutionary um okay but you know that's a different conversation bracket yes um i think that though so i think that it is possible that we are necessarily always in love The way in which we direct this might be different, but without love, I think that we literally kill ourselves. There's no way, there's no way that if you're not in love with something or somebody, yeah, that you keep alive. Like, this you know what that sounds like? Say again, you know what that sounds like? No, that sounds teleological to me. <laughs> I know what you're saying, uh, but I don't think that's not. Uh, um, how can I say? I think it's. I I told. I I said it before. It's like the natural state of human beings. Yeah. This is that we are loving machines, right? I'm just a love machine. <laughs> yeah. We we are love machines. I I I think that it's again. It's impossible not to be. It doesn't have to be. You don't have to be in love with another person hmm. all the time, but you need to be in love with something, like in a. In the same way which we described before, like seriously in love with something or somebody. This is like... The but like in a figurative sense, right? Like they all... 
I, let's put it this way. I think the philosophy is possible if and only if love is a natural state. That's a doozy. Because if not, how could we... How could we do what we do, right? Uh, is, is why would somebody get in love with ideas or stuff like that, or why would somebody get in love with, uh, why would somebody l- do the things that we do or the Plato mm. did, or if it wasn't like, if it wasn't there? Like, I think we just are attracted by different things throughout our life, but we always need to have a love interest. So the first thing I thought. Uh our second Bjork reference of the series Today. is like all is full of love, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, your phone's just off the hook. You're maybe it's not from the right? sources. Uh, you're just not, you know. So I was thinking that, uh, and it's an interesting way of of looking. And I always feel very wonderful after I like listen to that song, um, which is the last track on Homogenic. Go check it out. Um, but. You know, I don't know. I, I'm wondering if something like what you're talking about makes sense, but I'm not sure that I would call it love. Okay. I, like, I think there's something like a drive. There's something like um, desire for maybe pleasure or something like that, or a drive, a will to meaning almost. And I, I certainly think you need that because if you don't, you you die just like you said and and philosophy and everything else needs that um because otherwise why get out of bed why do anything why not eat poison why not walk off a bridge um but i think i think probably there's like a larger category i don't know what it is maybe fulfillment or attachment or meaning or drive and maybe love is one of the things in that and then within that there's like all these different bubbles but th- now I'm kind of thinking if this this would make sense, if, if this is your position, no wonder why you gave the answer you gave previously about how maybe you don't need the romantic relationship to get those things. Mm. And this is now making me think we should kind of explore the avenues of other types of, of love. You know, mm-hmm. for example, children... Or your family, or your friends, or if anything else kind of exists. So, I don't know. Pick, pick a place. What's <laughs> what's the, the the way? Where do we go from here? No, no, I, I get it. Um, and I, I think that the drive thing has, uh, you know, at some point, what you're saying it's it's possible that it is that way, and the love is just a subcategory of whatever that thing is. But because of the way. Because of how strong this drive has to be, I mean, I don't want to sound like Sartre or, or anybody like that. Like mm-hmm. it is so difficult, uh, especially in our modern life, to find meaning, to uh, to get out of bed and not be discouraged about all the let's call it ugliness that surrounds us, right? Mm-hmm. And I know it's, this sounds so cheesy, but that uh, we need a force that needs to resemble the strength of love to just do all these things. Otherwise, we won't. Otherwise, so I don't think we, we, we would do that. And this is why I, I think like it needs to be really of the same intensity as strength and love-like if it's not love. That's, that's the thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the thing I'm wondering is um, love versus love-like. 
That's like, and if, it, it's if it's love-like, it shares some quality with love. Maybe one of the ones we identified, maybe not. Mm-hmm. But I mean, let's look at other things. What, what other possibilities, right? You said philosophy, maybe mm-hmm. your career, but maybe other people even. Like, so mm-hmm. you have, you have, I want to choose one that is going to be the hardest. Family. Mm-hmm. And I say family is the hardest because we did friendship last time, right? Yep. So if you guys want to see how friendship connects to love, I would recommend checking that out. Because even if we didn't explicitly mention something, now that we've mentioned new things, it, you might see some connections that, that we didn't yep. see before or something. And if you do, always feel free to write in with you know questions or anything like that uh, through our email. But family is an interesting one because there you really do have the like intense hatred, so to speak, sometimes, <laughs> or, or at least the non-intensity. Right. So what what does it mean when you say that you love a family member despite all of these bad things or despite a kind of lukewarmness or chicken soupness to use your language? Like what's going on there? <laughs> that's so hard, right? Uh, first of all, we have established we're assuming that that's possible. That what is possible? That it's possible to still love somebody despite all the things that we said. Yes. And I think, I don't know if we said this in the friendship episode, but I don't want to go so far as to say it's unconditional. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's true. But but there has to be some things you overcome where you have really strong negative feelings towards another. And you'd be like, well, I still love them. So is it possible to to be in this condition and not love them? Maybe. Maybe we use the word wrong. No, I don't no, know. No, no, no. What I'm trying to say is like, so let's say there's some people that are part of your family that do all these bad things and so on and so on. And you you were saying there are cases in which we say, but I still love them, right? Mm-hmm. Is it possible the opposite? That they do these bad things and you don't love them anymore? I think so. So, okay. So that is not given that when people do these things, you're going to love them. No, no, you're definitely conditional. Okay, okay. That's where you went when you said unconditional. Um. Well, what's going on over there? Oh, there's a couple of things, right? One relates to the uh, to the parasitic relationship of which we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. Especially if this person is older than you. Let's say if it's part of your lineage vertically, right? Is either a parent, a grandparent, or somebody like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, since you kind of know that they kept you alive <laughs> at best mm-hmm. right or if they one way or another maybe even before because they are the way they are which is the way that you don't like or whatever because of the way they the, all the stuff that they did they formed you literally into what you are you kind of feel some sort of responsibility towards them you still kind of feel some sort of obligation again towards them and therefore we call this obligation again love this thing that you need to have there even if it's not bubbly even if it hurts even if all these things are there you kind of you're reciprocating if you want and it's the obligation is there almost in the same way the obligation mm-hmm. is there with the loved one so the, question and i think this actually connects to other stuff you said unrelated in the past is love the obligation or the taking on and actually fulfilling the obligation um, is love the obligation in this specific case? 
just in general, is it the having of the obligation or the actually following through on the obligation? Oh, um, I think it's going to be, hmm. I think it's going to be the having the obligation, not necessarily following through with it. Ooh, I this would have lost that. money. No, no, I, I thought you would have said the second. Uh, and the reason, the reason that I'm saying that is that love is one of those special things, right? Where it is possible to have that feeling, to have that obligation, but then you are unable to follow through for so many reasons so many issues that can be there right uh, maybe you still love your family member but the family member is really abusive right so you need not to fall up on the obligation and keep on loving them not to be that way because you know that that is not possible feasible for you and if that is happening you're still loving them you still have the obligation the obligation is still there theoretically but you're not following through with that because you know you're going to get really hurt with that okay follow-up mm-hmm. absent of situations where there's an involuntary thing preventing you from acting or for the sake of not getting into the weeds here mm-hmm. um, something that very strongly though not absolutely prevents you from doing that mm. does it then become the following through on it in other words there's no reason why I can't do these things. No, of course. Then in that case, yes. That's what I thought, and I'm 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 still thinking it's that because, like, let's say, we used to use this example a lot in club. You used to say when people would be like, "Oh, I'm a nice person, but I'm like mean all the time." But I'm a nice person. No, that's or the I same. said yeah. like, yeah. right? I love the environment, but I litter all the time. But I love it. Someone says that you're like. What? No, that's insane. And you have situations where you, you, know, you have a friend and they're constantly doing terrible things. And like, but I'm still your friend. You're like, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe you're not. Yeah. Um, so with, fa- with love of family or anyone, I guess, um, I'm inclined to say... It's similar to that. Yes, that it's like if you are constantly shirking your responsibility created no, by the thing, like... And you say you love me. I'm going to be like, what's that? What's that meme? Like you keep using this word from the princess bride. Like, I don't think you know what it means. No, no. I agreed with you on that. I'm just saying that there are certain situations where it is difficult to do that. And we love more than anything else. There are situations where. um, But in those situations, real quick, I'm assuming you would agree with this you would have to still be acting towards a higher end for that sure, person. Absolutely. I was, uh, I was trying to okay. I was trying to make to think of examples in my head and the first thing that popped into my head was when you punish your kid. Yes. Um and you know you're still loving them but you're not showing it. You're not following through your obligation of making your kid and it's and you do this for them, you know, making your kid kid always comfortable and having him living a cushy life. Uh, but as you're saying, there's always an higher hand there in the in that case. You you yeah. you have another another. It kind of almost your obligation. Uh, becomes. It's not as important as another obligation you have. So there are obligations that are more important. So you have an obligation. Let's say the abusive relationship. 
your first obligation is to keep alive, let's say, right? And you know mm -hmm. that if you fulfill the obligation of loving that person, the person will kill you. So, of course, the second obligation goes away, <laughs> right? Or you yeah. have an obligation to make your kid happy. But if making your kid happy in the moment means that you're going to make that kid into a jerk when he's older, right. then, right? Yeah, I, and I think I think that's kind of what I was looking for. I think that still counts. Yeah. Because you're still doing no, something. You're right? right. Okay. So, but you can't do the exact opposite and still correctly claim that you love the person. Absolutely. Right? If you're act Okay. Absolutely. Okay. So, Absolutely. we read there. So, then this is the verb, right? The verbness of it. Yeah. Absolutely. The having, the doing in some respect. You, um, and so, so what, ahead, what does that doing look like with your elders? It's just like we're respecting them, yeah, taking respect care them. of them. Yeah. I think that in this case, that, that's the easier example, the, the obligation thing towards your elder, because you literally have one. Again, they kept you alive, right? Right. Now, when it comes to sibling, well, it's also easy with kids, right? Okay. With your kids. Because you have an obligation, you know, and we can go evolutionary if you want there, right? You have an obligation towards them because literally they're the continuation of your genes, yep. gene pool, right? So you have an obligation there. Uh, you also have an obligation. You have a moral obligation there because you know that they will not survive without you at the beginning. And then by the time they're older, you still bear some responsibility because even if you want it or not, you shape them. So some of the things that they're doing, it is kind of your responsibility, right? Mm -hmm, One way mm -hmm. or another. I know that there's a lot of parents that will disagree with me. I don't know what you think about what do you think about this. But I think that the behavior of the kids, it is always <laughs> at least partially uh, a reflection of what the people that were around them did. I agree with that largely. I mean, I do think there are, you know, anomalies. Like when you watch these things about, um, like I remember a couple years ago when, a couple years ago, it's not more than that. Now, back in Pittsburgh during grad school, we watched this documentary about uh, like crazy kids, like ones that are really violent and murderous and stuff like that. Yeah. And so that indicates to me that there has to be some kind of genetic component that has nothing to do with the way that they were raised, especially if oh, there's other kids involved. Um, but but yeah, do I do I look at it practically when I'm out and I see a kid doing something is like one of the first thoughts in my mind. Well, this has something to do with, with what that raised. person did. Yeah, yeah. I I, th I can't not think that. Yeah. Yeah, and so this two, the, the the vertical thing are mm -hmm. easy to to explain parents and kids. When it comes to siblings and to other forms of law for other people, that might be more difficult because practically, what you're you're an only child, right? Yeah, you're the expert here. I am. I am an alien I'm not in this an expert conversation. Here because I have a, my brother is like 14 years younger than I am, so basically oh, he's right, like, right, yeah, down. You know, it's like almost like, like in a, that that hierarchy, right? Yeah, yeah. I just I know what I know from watching Claire and friends throughout history. That's what I know, but so, it's still like this thing I have no access to. Yeah, and it, I'm wondering if you know. I don't. I cannot see. 
I guess, again, at least in our society, in our um, Western way of seeing things, I don't see an obligation towards your siblings or your cousins, if you want, she's in the same line. So I, that's one that I have more familiarity with because right. when I grew up, um, in my environment, even though I was an only child, mm-hmm. I had a lot of cousins. Like the cousins mm-hmm. were the closest thing I had to siblings yeah. and uh, 90% of them were all older. Okay. So I had like one, let's say that I was close with who was like the same age as me, um, a year below me and we did a lot of stuff together. And then ones that were a couple years, like his older brother. And then I had the big ones that would take me places. Mm-hmm. But those um, don't count. <laughs> well, those were the ones I was... It's weird because now I'm I'm not like close with... It's, a, it's like a different part of the family and Do they live in a different them? place. I, I mean, I want to say yes, but I don't know what that word means because now I'm falling into that category you said where there's the indebtedness because a large portion of who I am comes from that. Like the things that I think were cool growing up, yeah. right? That Like aesthetic things, um, even things like what you think are attractive. Like this is all based on the experiences that you've had with these older people that showed you everything. Yeah. So if it's like I wouldn't be oh, you are. largely who I am, that's... No, not completely, but yeah, like because because I'm here's here's I think a better way of phrasing it. You look less at the active mm-hmm. feeling that's intense that you have, yeah. although the absence of that would indicate something about your relationship, and mm-hmm. you look more at the. Are you? Slash, would you be affected by negative things that happen to them? That was exactly my next question. Okay. Uh, what and the it, answer to that is yes. So the answer would be, would be yes. So you're, you will be affected by it. Okay. I was oh, about yeah. to ask you. So what does it mean? What, what does it look like when you do not love one of your family members anymore? Apathy. Would you be happy if something bad happens to them? No, oh, I don't think you need that. Um, no, I don't. I Would don't you think care being if something bad happened to them. Yeah. I, so when I say apathy, I mean if you if you literally have no care mm-hmm. for a thing, either in the present or even reflecting and looking at the whole, then no, you can't say you love that person. And do you say? Do you think that this is possible towards family members? Huh. Uh, hmm. Now, there's a lot of stuff in my case that has happened over the years that does upset me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we talked about this. I think on the podcast before, also. Oh, we did. Some of it, I think. I don't remember this. <laughs> you blocked it out? I don't know, but uh but go ahead. And I get upset kind of because it's like we were both in this thing together when we were young. And so I think when you when you go through something with someone, mm-hmm. 
And this may not even like being like life is one, <laughs> being young is another. But I'm sure that it's like this for um, veterans. Like you go through a mm-hmm. war together, you go through, through some kind of intense or traumatic event. But in this case, it's it's the history. It's like we were there together when we were young. We had the same elders. We had the same culture. Like we were raised by the same village. Like that. That that I can never shake that. And so that is kind kind of becomes like the foundation upon which all of my reactions to mm-hmm. things that happen now are based. Mm-hmm. Now, if the question is, are there things that happen where you could be completely apathetic? I think that if that's possible, it's only possible for people who are more distant from you that you didn't really share times but, but with. That's what I'm saying. So really, we're not part of your family, truly. Like, oh, you're my cousin third removed from a that side I, of the family that, that I saw like one time in my life no, that yes that exactly count as family, right? yeah I think that's the ones but as far as the ones who you were like close to it's got to be a scale there's ones that are more attached and ones that are less attached so let's think of is it possible to hate your family members like like overall hate because I do think you have intense negative feelings towards people you love, right? This, if you didn't, no, no, you couldn't fight with that. your wife. I'm talking about like constant, cemented hate. Like, is there some family members that you despise to the point that you, not you, in general, right? They, there, there's some family members that you can despise to the point that you not only don't love them, but you just, I don't want to have anything to do with this person. I don't care what happens to this person. You definitely have to have the, I don't want anything to do with this, because that happens, right? It happens all the time, whether it's through abuse, like physical or mental or something else. And so people make these kind of decisions all the time. I mean, I guess the question is like, in that not being around them, Mm -hmm. do you still feel something no matter how small if you focus on it? Hmm. I mean, can you have something where there's absolutely like zero feelings where or or hatred, I guess, right? That's what you said. I I don't want to say it's not possible because like I've had my things and it's resulted in whatever. And I know people have had worse things and I certainly can't speak for those people. And I, I want to say, like, it must be possible to just cut someone. And, I mean, I have situations in with me where it's it's pretty darn close to that. If not that, that I mean, that's a whole thing that we'd have to explore. Sure. Um, but let's say you can approach that. So. I think you can definitely approach that. I think that's not a, not a controversial answer. So the assumption is that there are certain situations and I'm not leaning one way or the other, that there are certain situations where you say, where it's possible that, let's say, if some of those people die, you don't feel anything, or you don't feel bad. I'm using death as the, you know, or the... It's a good good example. Or something terrible happens to them, I don't know. The word I'm thinking is, like, disappointment. Okay. Like, would you feel disappointment? I'm really scanning things here. Hold on, give me a minute. I mean, can you... 
and while you think I'll, I'll fill the the void here, I mean, what what we're asking here is: is it possible to to have negative feelings or no feelings at all for someone that structurally either you're supposed to love or you were in love with, right? And in the case of families, it's even more difficult, I think, right? Would you feel nothing or happy if some of those people that have hurt you would die? Anthony, I don't know. Do I'm, think- think, I'm thinking that apathy is distinct from um, hatred or, or joy in the revenge. It is. And I'm trying to see like what, what implies what. One thing I was, I, I think it's possible to feel detached mm-hmm. and and unaffected. Mm. However, in a very literal sense, by definition, you could never experience as as if there were a stranger, mm-hmm. right? So you could not be affected while also acknowledging some kind of thing. Um. That's my answer there. As far as the answer to the thing you're saying about uh, death or whatever, I I don't I don't know. I don't so, know. And I don't want to I don't want to get us in trouble in any way, right? Uh, and hopefully this is uncontroversial as I think it is, but mm-hmm. we'll see. I'm thinking that it it has to be, it has to be, almost if not impossible not to truly be touched by any of these things. What I mean is we can tell ourselves and we, let me rephrase this, we can tell others and somewhat ourselves act like these things do not affect us. Mm -hmm. But I feel that deep inside, in reality, you know that that thing is still affecting you some way. Mm. And I think that those things are still affecting you some way because there's still that little fire under the coal of which you were talking about before. Because mm-hmm. if that wasn't there, then who cares? Yeah, the, I, so this is actually a conversation that Claire and I have semi-regularly, I guess, mm-hmm. when certain things come up. And uh, she takes more of your position. Okay. Hold on one second because there is my daughter is talking. Tessa, <laughs> do you want to be in the podcast? No, I wasn't a we, question. We can we can ask her a good question. No, I don't think so. I'm saying that you your voice is getting through. Oh. Okay, so please build. Hi. No problem. All right, good. That's funny. When I said you um, want to be in the podcast, you was like yes. Uh oh. Like I didn't think you were gonna say yes. <laughs> um, so there's the lover. There is the friend. There is. Parents and grandparents, which is even an interesting distinction there that, that I, I kind of want to say something about. You were saying Claire takes my position? Oh, yes. So Claire takes more so your position where there's always something. Because, like, stuff will happen and she'll be like, are you sure? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I understand that. I completely understand that. The reason why I understand that is because a lot of people – 
to engage in self-deception. Even the ones who don't do it regularly engage in it sometimes. And so it's reasonable to expect that all people are susceptible to doing that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a fair approach. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it mm-hmm. makes sense. And I think there's probably just a little bit of a difference at the end of the day. Because I, I do think it's it's possible to have certain feelings or absences of feelings, I guess, yeah, with yeah. regard to certain things. Honestly, like not in a self-deceptive way. Mm-hmm. Um But then yeah. even there, like Freud might have something to say about that, right? Well, and that's in a way my least favorite response. <laughs> of course. And it be not not because it's like annoying to me or something, but like be, because that becomes like the thing we were saying before that you could just say over and over and over again, and then like you can't have the conversation because yeah. it's like no matter what is said, it could always be this thing. Is it possible? Maybe I don't know, um, but. I don't know. I, this is one of those ones where it's like, how much self-knowledge can the monad have, so to speak? Probably very little. Probably very, I don't know. I, so, and this is, you know, a topic for another conversation probably, but I always wonder, and this is a question that has popped in my head multiple times. Um, are we, is the subject, if you want, is the self, the right person to judge the self itself are we the one to know ourselves the best or the most or are other people more mm. uh, indicated to that and i i don't have an answer to that but that's again that's a different story my answer is both <laughs> yeah, as expected probably. aristotle would agree with you most likely as expected but i'm, I'm so i'm thinking of all these different relationships where love may or may not exist right there's the romantic one and like we didn't even think about the the idea that like throughout many people's lives certainly not all people but maybe they've had more than one encounter mm-hmm. with someone that they would call love and in those situations is it is it like is it the same thing both times or is it a different thing both times and if it's a different thing both or however more many more times does that mean that Love can take on many, wear many different hats, or does it mean that only one of them was love? You know, there's all these different avenues you can go down. One was the real love, and then all the other ones were like fake. Yeah, something like that, and very similar to maybe some of the stuff we talked about with friendships. Mm-hmm. But is know, it? That's a good question, right? Is there one thing that's love, or there are multiple loves through our lives? Well, do you? So, I think. Um, do, do you have other? Partners before Claire? You know, if I answer some of this, you have to too, right? Uh, no. <laughs> what is this, a one-way relationship? It, it is. No, this kidding. isn't love. This isn't love. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I, I have. But Claire, of course, is the love of your life. Yeah, undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. So you didn't love the other people? I think that's a good question. And the answer is... The answer probably no. I mean, I, 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 it seems like the evidence points in that direction. <laughs> so you didn't. You you just 
It's probably Mist- like mistakenly attach the 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 label love to the relationship that you have with these people. Did you deceive maybe. them? Did you deceive yourself? Maybe. You're good. You know, you would look good right now on a couch with a pipe. <laughs> oh gosh. And you face away from me with a little no, notepad. No, 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 no. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Uh, um, no, I think I don't know. Maybe it has something to do with like. So you know when you're little and you you play, mm-hmm. right? You like learn like oh I'm playing that was around football. Love. I got it. Not about pretend, but more like you practice. Practice? No, no. Okay. Practice. I was reading. What was I reading the other day? Um, who was I reading? Baudrillard? No. The one. Oh God, I can't remember the one who talks about. Um, the the poetics of of space and the poetics of childhood reverie. Oh, oh that's gonna kill me! That's gonna kill me. It's the one I did in my memory presentation. I talked about him on too. Baudrillard. That is him. That's not. Or Bachelard. No, no. Bachelard. That's Bachelard. him. Bachelard. Yeah, and he he was. Uh, I didn't get a chance to read the the poetics of, like the one on, on childhood and, and reverie mm-hmm. or whatever, but um. He talks about this concept of your f- your first life, mm-hmm. and he calls childhood like the first life. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's where you learn, right? That's where you practice, and it's so you were it's setting the stage with these people. I I don't know. It's just something that popped into my head. I no, think it it's sense, very though. interesting. I mean, do you think that that's reasonable? It is. It is reasonable. I wonder if that's a two way street, right? If the other person also was doing that, or if they were like, "No, I love you," exactly. You know, and is yeah, it, that's if interesting. That's possible. It, is it, well, it, so if we're establishing this thing, right? If there's something that looks like it, and it's just pretend or whatever yeah. practice, is it possible that one of the two is only mistaking? And if that is the case, do you break any hearts? It <laughs> definitely broken some hearts. I think. Um, I'm thinking of the concept now of unrequited love. Unrequired or un- unrequited? Unrequited. Okay. I, I believe this is the word. It means like, like it's a one-way thing mm-hmm. where the one person wants the other, and the other person doesn't reciprocate. Also called and stalking. Also. <laughs> well, interesting question. Um. <laughs> It raises the question of like, are you should it not be called unrequited because it's not actually love, right? Like, mm-hmm. in the same way we're saying that the practice thing, mm-hmm. like, is it possible for one person to have real love and the other one to not? I feel like the answer to that depends on whether it's possible to mm-hmm. have um, a one way love. And and we've had this conversation like me and Claire and, and even other people before. It's it's an interesting one. I I want to say. Probably not. It's not possible. Mm. And and that's because love at the end of the day may not merely be a thing that's about you mm. and your internal state. It is about your internal state and the other person's internal state and the whole. To go back to the thing I mentioned previously. So philosophy loves us back? Does philosophy love us back? If we love philosophy. Yeah. Oh, well, we don't. Okay. Okay. My answer is we have to say we either love B philosophy or we different word philosophy. Okay. 
Yeah. No, because, okay, to be fair, it seems like what I'm talking about is like romantic love. Mm-hmm. Right? Or even, maybe even um, interpersonal love in general. Yeah. Right? But so now your question, only. yes, between people, because this other thing we didn't talk about was the love of concepts or objects <laughs> or things like that. Yeah. And those obviously don't love us back. Sometimes they seem to hate us, actually. ChatGPT doesn't love me. I've been screwing with it the past couple it weeks. It doesn't love you? No. No, it doesn't <laughs> love do me. You know? I don't love it. How do you know? How do I know that ChatGPT doesn't love me? Because mm-hmm. here's how you could tell that someone or something doesn't love another person or thing. It's a very surefire way. Mm-hmm. Ready? Got it. You exclusively give them responses akin to a customer service agent's responses. <laughs> so you're telling me that the people that I call a customer service don't love me? They're so nice Oh, to me. man. I was on the phone with Verizon this morning. <laughs> oh, boy. That's oh, the bane of my existence. It is. I mean, so are are we... Do you think that in those cases, like with philosophy, right, like the love of wisdom, quote-unquote love, do you think it's appropriate to... Uh, use that category love and have different subcategories or do you think it's just kind of like us being sloppy with language or have we become too particular with language in our contemporary times that's possible mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. no i think uh, i think it's appropriate i think it's appropriate for a couple of reasons first of all with philosophy in general right uh and with concepts too maybe but let's stick with philosophy right now that is something that truly, really affects you, right? That changes you. It's a, like akin to any other, any personal romantic relationship that you might have with somebody. To the point that if you're doing it right, it will modify you and you couldn't modify it. You mm-hmm. can reach each other. Like, I don't know, can't. Uh, relationship with philosophy was definitely the one of love because he definitely changed him. We have some diaries when he says, you know, being awoken from the dogmatic slumber by Hume's writings, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So he changed really the way he thought, the way he was, and so on. But he also changed philosophy to the point of philosophy is different after Kant, right? True. So there seems to be a reciprocal relationship there. The only difference seems to be that the choice maybe is unilateral, right? That I choose to pursue philosophy. Philosophy doesn't pursue anybody. But once you pursue philosophy, then if you're doing it correctly, then you start to be... It's like a more of a passive lover, let's call it. <laughs> so, so a calling <laughs> is not really a calling. It's just you having a very strong drive for this thing. I guess... Okay. I, I want to... Is okay. it that different though from the love that you have for a person? I was going to test this with something that wasn't as grandiose as a person or an, or a conceptual sure. enterprise. I... Let's, let, me, let me be careful here and <laughs> really, really pick something that I'm going to stand by. Okay. Centipedes? I'm not even going to... Address that with a response. Um, I love music. Okay. Fair. 
or a band. I love Pink Floyd. Like I love an album. I love Dark Side of the Moon. I love I don't know, insert like animals or whatever. Um is that like the thing you were saying? Is that me using the term incorrectly? Like I love this one guitar. Like I have a few guitars. This is the one I love. I think if we're talking about material stuff, like guitars, mm-hmm. yeah, or computers or cars, you're using the wrong word. Okay. If we're talking about an album or a song intended not as a material thing, but as whatever that thing is, um, you might be also using the word wrong. If you're talking about music, I think you're you're using the word right. Okay. Um, Even if this is... I want to find a limit here. Even if the guitar was one that, like, I've known for 20-plus years and has brought me great success and is how I learned to play and is the thing that allowed me to be in a band and to change this aspect of my life and to have formed myself and other people. What about that? No, I still still think that it's not the case. Because it's an object. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, what about... And I think the, go, the, the, the reason is simple uh, for that. Like yes, yes, what's the reason? Cannot, it, it is not truly, the thing is not truly interacting with it. Uh, to use Plato's language, when you talk about the guitar in the terms in which you were talking about, you're talking about the form of the guitar, not the guitar itself. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, no, 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 no. That, I don't mean I love guitar. Mm. I mean, like, this guitar. No, this is the one that the we're wrong for sure. Okay, what am I what do I mean then? Like well, let me pull back. What is there mm-hmm. in the loving philosophy one that's not there in me loving this particular guitar that's shaped how I think about the world and even changed people or something but, like pick some very important guitar. But the guitar doesn't shape who you are, really. It doesn't You don't shape- think so? No. No, it doesn't. It's you playing it that changes you. It's not the guitar. But, okay, uh, it's, let's say, and I'm not saying I, I'm i disagreeing with your point. I'm just, like, having a hard time finding the, the mm-hmm. lines. The distinction between the guitar and philosophy in general. Something like that, yeah, because... I think the conceptual things are different, are made of a different substance, if you want. And what is that? Because what are the two with, different substances? The guitar, right? the guitar, I am. It's you playing the guitar and doing things with the guitar that does all the things that you're talking about. It's not the guitar. Okay, I mean, but isn't it people doing philosophy that does the things, not some independent entity called philosophy? I don't know. I, I mean, I used. I mean. I've never been much of a Platonist in my life, but I know you. We switched roles here, <laughs> but it's because it's a universal, right? Whereas yeah, the guitar yeah, is a particular. It's, it's, exactly. It's it's in, and also you know <sighs> philosophy is such a such a such an, a hyper object, right? It, that spans for, and it's you know it's different. yeah. Is it, is it because and this is something interesting? I think um, when you have a particular object that has been formative for you and in turn other people. 
is it is the reason you can't love it in addition um because it has become an extension of yourself hmm. and since you can't love yourself in maybe. the same way maybe that's interesting because i mean i was going to ask a see the, the next one i was going to ask is comparatively silly but if i was like i love peanut butter <laughs> right and and i'm not just saying like yeah i, I like a good reese's now and then i mean every day yeah, Let's I say I have one meal of peanut butter at least, right? Okay. And this like maybe even changes my body chemistry, sure. right? The way I look, the way I function. I think it's just kind of like a funny little thing to think about. Like if this thing is part of you. Well, there you go. Part of you again. So maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking. That would certainly be forms. You would be right on that one. Yeah. Because I wouldn't love this little bit of peanut butter. I would exactly. love peanut, peanut butter. Yeah. I'm thinking also, is is it possible that the true difference is that maybe going back to the guitar, the guitar, you love the guitar because of the specific, well, let me see, let me see where this goes, of the specific relationship that you have with the guitar, the specific conditions, right, that are that arose at a certain point throughout your experience with the guitar, right? And you love it because of that. But the guitar moved and put in similar conditions with someone else might have not have produced love. Right? What a person most likely when put in similar conditions will still be part or philosophy will put the person in different conditions will still produce love somehow. So does that mean people put in different conditions would still experience love with another person? Most likely. Okay, so there's no such thing you would say as your one true love. You're capable of, you could have loved a set of people and you're with one of those people in that set, you're saying. Maybe I'm not. Uh, he's, he's nervous. No, I'm not. See the sweat. Because I don't know. I have this just pop into my head. So I don't know what the true consequence of this will be. But it seems to. That might be a possibility, right? Hmm. Isn't that. So. And I think oh, partially we can put it this way. Let's assume that. I'm going to use you rather than Claire because you're here and she's not here. Okay. Let's assume that you would have died before you fell in love with Claire and Claire fell in love with you. Well, Claire wouldn't have found love? Good question. I think it's reasonable to believe that she would have. For all you know, that Claire was supposed to be in love with somebody else and that person died, and so you well, was never born, and now you are it. And then now the question is, so then are you not actually falling in love with particular people? But just the forms? Are you falling in love with forms? And here we go, symposium. <laughs> huh. Right? So in other words, if re- there was someone that you met who had many of the same traits as your wife, mm-hmm. you could also just be in love with that person. And you could have just Maybe. as easily been with that person. Maybe. Maybe. And isn't that reasonable to believe, though? 
I'm trying to see like how quirks fall into this, right? Because when uh, one of the things I had mentioned at the end of the the last episode and then the beginning of this one was this idea that there's still things you get uh, excited about. And one of those things for me are like little things. Like Mm -hmm. I walk into the bathroom, it's like the way you're washing your hair, like a little, like a thing you do, right? So do those things count as forms if it is forms that that's what you're falling in in love with or is it just incorrect to say you're in love with forms i don't know i think that those things might count as forms because it is again we more or less all have the same facial muscles so it's possible to believe that there are people that wash their face or that smile in similar ways and maybe like this funny voice you do yeah you know all those things they can they can happen i'm wondering again not easy to answer, definitely, but it seems to me that it is very much possible to think that we are in love with the form rather than than the material object itself. And a- according to this view mm-hmm. that you seem to be adopting, correct me if I'm wrong, for, maybe, for maybe. the For the moment. For the moment, at least. Um, then you are... You know, it, like I, I could see someone pushing back and being like, "Oh, this takes the love out of love." Um, there's nothing though? about this person that you love, and they're just a stand-in, like a vessel for this thing. But you know, I guess one response is, "Well, that's just the way it is," <laughs> and another response is, "I don't know. Maybe this is not how and, it works." And again, honestly, I don't know, uh, but it's possible to believe that it's like you do. It's, I'm narrowing it down, right? And I'm making it into something that's probably more intelligible. Do people have types? Good question. And if you say yes, there you go. Do people tend to be yeah. good? That's a good that's a good way of um simplifying it for people, right? Cuz if you have a type, a type is an abstraction, right? And therefore right. some kind of form. And I um hmm. I mean, I don't know. And then yeah, I don't know. There's like pros and cons of having a type or not having a type, right? There are people that have a type. You'll be like, oh, why do you just like this kind of people? And people that don't yeah. have a type, you'll be like, you'll take anything, right? Whatever. Yeah, you cast your net too wide. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and so the way you save yourself, right? Maybe if this is true, then like you could come back by saying, well, it's not just you; it's everything, right? Every time you're interacting, you're only interacting with them on a formal level, and, and you just go full like Plato's metaphysics, which is mm-hmm. interesting. But I don't know, man. This love thing is quite elusive. Yeah, of course. But again, but I also think, let me take the other side for a second, then I think we should go. We've been doing this for way too long. Sounds good. Yep. Uh, but the individuality is supposed to be important as well, right? Right. That's what I was thinking. But then again, are you truly in love with that? Or is it just that specific Right, like is the individuality, exactly, is the individuality of the love incidental? Is that just the icing on the cake, if you want? Something. Well, uh, go love your neighbors. Uh, No. I don't know what that means. Um, I hope you love the episode. I hope so, too. On the formal level, at least. I do, too. I think we we got through a lot of stuff, but this one was quite big, and I... Yeah. And I still be thinking about this afterwards. Yep. I'll be my 
touch upon this in the future in different ways, maybe with some guests. Maybe from a female perspective. Yeah, female perspectives maybe. or, you know, other other points of view that well, I don't know. That I could like an alien. We will need an alien. Well we have them down in area fifteen. <laughs> 15 oh, I'm not supposed to say that. Okay, I'm not about to say that. All right. <laughs> don't don't say the area. They're gonna come and pick you no, up. I can't say, I can't say. Um all right guys. Well, uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yep, see you around. See you. Bye. Mm-hmm.